This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Perfect. It is a good day to be back in the studio. Once again, welcome back to the MVSP. Myself, Brandon Worth here alongside my co-host, Joe Nagy. What's happening, Joe? Not too much. Just went golfing. My hands are freezing. <laughs> um, every time I hit the ball, it like was shattering my hands. So. Ouch. I mean, it is like 30 degrees outside. Not so. the greatest idea to go golfing, but I don't regret it. Yeah. Good day on the links, though. Nonetheless. Nonetheless. Yeah. Probably before the end of the season anyway, so... But today, we do have a special guest with us. It is one of my best friends and teammates, Dan Hardesty. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yes. Good to be here. We are super stoked to have more athletes on. And if you want to be a guest on the show, if you're an athlete or a student, come hit us up on Twitter, at the MVSP, and we'll get you in the studio. But guys, we should start with an interview, shall we? I'm down. All right. Let's get her on. So, Dan, what inspired you to run in college at Ferris? I think my biggest inspiration was watching people in my high school before me who went off to run in college. I was like, I wanted to look up to them and be as good of an athlete as they were and prove that I could do it at the highest level that I could attain. Mm -hmm. I think that's a a really common attribute to a lot of people, Mm -hmm. seeing and seeing the role role model doing that. I know I've seen a lot of role models, not necessarily in cross country, as I've been kind of a been the role model myself in that aspect but seeing other guys go to college it's always something I wanted to do as well but uh, how have you liked running for Ferris State so far on the cross and track teams? I've loved it it's pretty awesome I get to experience what a lot of the people that I'm running with like Brandon ran with me in high school mm-hmm. well against me I should say rivals yeah <laughs> best friends become rivals just kidding I don't know if that's how it went, but oh no, <laughs> it's good to a lot. Com- the competition is ramped up, and we're all running together, and it's just cool to have people from lots of different areas come together and run all under the Ferris banner. Yeah, definitely, and especially, I mean, you being a sophomore, you've kind of settled in now, especially on the cross team, but. I mean, now, like you said, you're kind of rivals with Brandon and kind of seeing all these people that went to, like, Grand Valley, Saginaw Valley that you might have ran against in high school or even ran with. Like, what's that kind of like, and what do you kind of look for to give that motivation of these guys who, you know, you their recognizable face, you know how they run? Like, what do you kind of look forward to when you face those guys? I think it's cool just to see, obviously, we're in different uniforms, but we're still the same people that we were, so I still know that I can compete with them, and I want to go out there every day and prove that but through my training and through racing. Yeah. Awesome. I think it's been I think it's been absolutely a blast. I know um as far as my parents have been like obviously me and Dan have been friends for the longest time and we always ran against each other as rivals, Big Rapids versus Reed City. We all know how deep that runs. <laughs> but I mean we were still friends and our parents have been friends and I know like the biggest thing is like how fun is it now that we get to run together on the same team? Like, oh, just, it's so great. It's so fun. And I'm seeing guys that you run against, and now you know how talented they are, and you know how talented you are. And then when you put them together, you just have you just have all these hopes and aspirations that your team's going to do so well. And it's really, really exciting. I mean, there's been so many guys that like I've ran against that have ended up going to colleges that still compete against. I know a buddy that's at Cornerstone. I know a buddy that's at Calvin. And we still race against those guys. So those are it's really fun. But I know that... Personally, I was pretty, I wouldn't say, 
I was pretty devastated when our outdoor track season was canceled last year, but how did you react to it? I was I was very disappointed. We knew that COVID was a thing, but we didn't think it was going to come across the to the U.S. so quickly and affect everything in the way that it has, which no one did, obviously. But uh, honestly, not being able to race really stunk. My favorite part of running is knowing that I'm doing this so I can go race others and show what I have as compared to everyone else. So not being able to do that for this long, it's been quite the drag, but we're just getting through it to getting through it to the racing season. Absolutely. I mean, I had, I know that there was aspirations I had for outdoor track. We had a couple big meets that I really wanted to see what I could do at my freshman year. I know there was a couple like Bucknell was one that I really wanted to get there. And there's just, there was so much competition and I was really looking forward to running outdoor for the first time in four years. <laughs> pretty wild, but it would have been my first time running outside in Ova for four years, but did get indoor and that was pretty good though. But what are you looking forward to this upcoming season? Assuming, knock on wood everybody, that we have a season coming up in for indoor outdoor track. I'm just looking forward to I've been changing distances a little bit and going from longer down with some shorter stuff. So I'm looking forward to testing my metal in some new races and just getting back to racing, honestly. And uh, kind of throwing it back to, I mean, in high school, I mean, kind of seeing your options of where you wanted to go to college and ultimately then got Ferris. What was the recruiting process uh, like, especially just kind of coming to Big Rapids? Yeah, obviously I went to Big Rapids, so it's pretty easy. Lots of people go from Big Rapids to Ferris, but Jared, who's the coach, he reached out to me through, I can't remember how, I think he sent me like a letter or something, and so I responded, and then we got some dialogue, and then I came in, did a little recruiting visit to meet the team, and then decided that I liked it here enough where I wanted to come and run for him. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely had a very similar experience. I mean, the group of guys we have, they're they're crazy cool Cooper guys I mean they're they're absolutely fun to hang around with and it's it's really fun running with those guys and I mean I've never been on a team that is I wouldn't say like in high school of course like I know Dan you you had a little bit more team-wise success than I did as far as your team was a, a regional qualifier and ended up making it to states one year um, for cross country and um, my team never got to that point but it's really now exciting to be all together, and we're everybody's competitive. It's so much fun, especially in one of the toughest divisions, I believe, in Division Two, the GLIAC. I think it's probably the hardest conference, if not at least top three with the GLVC and RMAC, but it's absolutely fun. But now moving on, as we go into the meat of our show, we have the NFL coming up this week. Going to be a really fun group of matchups here in week eight um first starting off with thursday night the falcons will play the panthers which is tonight by the way Prime 820 if you're listening night. today but it is going to be a fun one the falcons i mean us detroit fans we we, <laughs> we like we the love falcons. to see that we love to see that <laughs> we love to see payback for 2016 what can you say uh-huh big time i i did want desmond trufant to get a pick six but the fact he didn't play was kind of depressing, but it is what it is. We still got the W, so that's all that matters. So, But will the Falcons bounce back, guys? I don't think they do. I think Teddy Bridgewater and Mike Davis most likely will be playing tonight. No word that Christian McCaffrey will return. It'll likely be next mm-hmm. week is the timetable for him. But I think that offense, I mean, they gave New Orleans a run for their money last week. The way the Falcons have been playing, they're at home. 
I think this is probably their game to lose. And especially when you look at Teddy Bridgewater, he's looking for a revenge game because, I mean, leading that five-week stretch where he went undefeated as the backup, I mean, you'd think that like they would have a little bit of uh, faith in him to kind of stay on. But when he got traded to the Panthers, I feel like he was ready to, I mean, give a crack at the Saints for and kind of show them what they're missing out on. But, I mean, that loss I feel like is going to propel them to this week, and I don't think he's going to lose two weeks in a row, especially to the Falcons. And, I mean, for how well they played against the Saints, like you said, Brandon, it's it's – I mean, it's no question. Uh, I don't know, guys. The Falcons, Matty Ice, you know how it is. Even though coming off a tough loss, you gotta gotta respect him and respect Julio and Calvin Ridley. Mm -hmm. You gotta know that they're gonna come out to play. And coming off like a loss like that, and especially Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley had the game losing touchdown, you could say. <laughs> would we ever <laughs> think that say. we would say that? That's a really game losing say. touchdown. <laughs> That's crazy. But, I mean, you're absolutely right. The Falcons' offense is very lethal. The defense is where they really fell apart. They got Detroit a little bit on the, the, the nerves in the beginning. I wouldn't say the beginning. The middle half of the game, mm-hmm. we had a pretty stagnant offense, but – I mean, overall, that Falcons defense is not where they want to be. And with the offense they have, it's I wouldn't say it's like a full Cowboy-type um, scheme there. I mean, they have so many offensive weapons. I don't think they have as much. But, I mean, when you got guys like Calvin Ridley, you got guys like Julio Jones, and you got guys like Russell Gage, who made some pretty miraculous plays on their game-losing touchdown mm-hmm. drive, those guys are definitely going to be really beneficial especially against Carolina's defense that has been pretty shaky this year they're ranked 19th in the NFL and I mean Atlanta is worse mm-hmm. but I mean that Falcons offense is very lethal and Todd Gurley's gotten in the end zone which they need but right yeah. now I mean Teddy Bridgewater he's been playing pretty well so I'm I'm gonna assume that he's gonna keep that up and the Panthers win but I mean when you when you talk about divisional games it's always gonna be coming down to the wire it seems like no oh, definitely and I mean I said no question, but I think I'm second-guessing myself because, I mean, when the Falcons' offense is clicking, I mean, we've seen Matt Ryan and what he's been able to do, and he's he's obviously an elite quarterback. Julio Jones hasn't been clicking as well as he has been, especially in the start of the year. He's kind of fallen off a little bit. Hopefully he picks it up because I have him starting on my fantasy league this week. So, But if he's able to pick that up, I feel like they'll be able to give the Panthers a run for their money. And, I mean, it's going to be a battle of two really good quarterbacks too. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, looking back the earlier game this year, Panthers did win by a touchdown, so that could that could be. Uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be like yeah, set in stone. Panthers are going to win since Panthers won on road last time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it Falcons. It's you're at ultimate revenge mode right now. You've lost three games now where you have a win probability over ninety eight percent, and then you lose at home to Detroit. And I think Falcons fans are definitely taking that very hard because Detroit. Doesn't seem like a very good football team outside of fans, so that's going to be frustrating. They've already lost to the Panthers. They they have nothing to lose. They no. they should go out and play their hearts out as they should. I mean, they knew they have their new head coach there for, for at least the rest of the season, and they're going to be without their GM. They just got to go out, play as hard as they can, and have fun for the mm-hmm. rest of the season because obviously it could be worse. But moving on now into our next game, we got a divisional matchup that. Us Lions fans will sure be watching Minnesota and Green Bay. Uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting game because obviously the records don't show that these two teams always seem to be, or this year seem to be on the same level. But in years past, we've always seen barn burners with, with these two teams. I mean, earlier this year, Vikings took the Packers to pretty much a shootout in mm-hmm. early September and made it a nine-point game. So, and I mean, Minnesota, they're one and five. 
Green Bay's five and one. You look at it on paper, Green Bay should mop the floor with Minnesota. But I don't think that's gonna be the case. They've always hung around. I mean, you got guys like Justin Jefferson. If Dalvin Cook returns, that could be a big factor mm-hmm. as that Green Bay um front seven has been a little shaky the last couple of weeks, especially going back to Tampa Bay. But it it's not like they're gonna be Obviously, I think Green Bay will win this game. I don't think that they have enough to get past the way Aaron Rodgers is playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe Aaron Jones is back. I'm not quite sure yet. We got Malik Taylor. That is true. They have Malik Taylor. So they have to win if they have Malik <laughs> Taylor. They have to win. But shout out to Malik, though, for that touchdown catch. That was phenomenal. But, yeah, I'm going to say Green Bay is still going to win. You're forgetting a big thing. It's primetime Kirk Cousins on the other side of the ball. Did you seriously <laughs> say primetime Kirk Cousins? <laughs> I'm just joking. He's, oh, he's not good. But uh, I got to go with the Green Bay as well. I don't think – I think it will probably be like what you say. It's going to be probably a little bit high scoring, especially kind of how the history that these two teams have had together. But I do think that Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's not going to slow down from the way he's been playing. He's been playing phenomenal. Each year we think he's going to be kind of a little bit worse than the last, especially this year with that receiving core, like we've said over and over again, that we didn't think that they were going to be able to do what they've been doing. But, I mean, he's been able to lead this team. And I don't think Minnesota has what it takes to stop them yet. Yeah, I'd have to agree. As When it comes to Minnesota, it's really going to come down to how Kirk Cousins plays and how their mm-hmm. defense plays. Mm-hmm. And if Kirk Cousins keeps playing like he does this year, there's a good chance I don't think he's going to be coming back to Minnesota, and I don't think Minnesota's going to be in this game. Ooh, okay. I mean, Kirk Cousins has only done a couple of things in Minnesota, if you really think about it. Because, I mean, playoff run, that was Case Keenum. So not saying that Kirk can't get it done, but statistically, you're right, he hasn't done very much. So, I mean, obviously there's the, you want, you like that, but that was, you like that. That was, <laughs> let's be honest, that was a complete different team. That defense was absolutely no. phenomenal. It's, so, that deep, I mean, they had a top five defense in this team as the 20th best defense. Yeah, they're not the same team. So, I think that is a, not the same. It's a great analysis. I mean, overall, like Green Bay, they've done so much without having prime receivers, and there's been, like talks going around um they hosted i believe seth roberts who's a free agent now that's kind of been a name that's been bouncing around in their organization obviously they lost alan lazard um Devonte adams has been banged up earlier in the season he looks fine right now they got marquez valdez scantling they have darius shepherd who they brought in and of course the best of them all malik taylor <laughs> but i mean this they've gotten it done especially using tight ends when using sternberger and using um tanyan they've done a very nice job in the passing attack and Aaron Rodgers proving once again that he's a quarterback that can do everything with him with himself in his arm. He doesn't need the guys around him. That just proves how great he really has been and how underappreciative I think he is with his career so far. Mm-hmm. I think we'll probably stay in the NFC North for this one with our Lions taking on the Colts. It's going to be a tough go of it this week, especially with, I mean, a Lions offense against a very good defense with the Colts. But, boys, what are you thinking? Well... Here's it's been a good run. <laughs> <laughs> Time out. We're, we're not, I'm just kidding. We're I'm not just jumping kidding. off the bus yet. At least I'm not. I mean, the Lions are coming off of a W here. Oh, yeah. Multiple of them. So anything is possible. But, I mean, Indiana, I'm not going to lie. Indianapolis' defense, to me, is one of the best in the NFL, and they really should be. They've been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I believe statistically they're ranked second in the NFL. So, and I mean, but. Last time we faced them, we picked up the wins, so it is possible, and we're at home this time, and last time we won in Lucas Oil Stadium, so that's even better, but 
Well, I I really do think that we we need the defensive like we need the defensive scheme to match up with Indianapolis. I think we have it right now. I mean, Indianapolis has really been leaning a lot on Jonathan Taylor so far. I mean, Philip Rivers has been he's been okay, but he's not been the 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 Philip Rivers we've seen in the past in the vintage Chargers days. We're no. not seeing that Philip Rivers. So I don't think the passing game is going to be as much of a concern because I mean if we get Trufant back this week and then we got Okuda and we got um all of our other guys like Tracy Walker playing at mm-hmm. the rate they've been playing we'll be in pretty good shape but front seven's been a little bit shaky we did get some pressure last week especially at the end of the game so that is good to see but I do think we need to give DeAndre Swift some touches outside the box I think we need to set up some screens some short passes get him in space because that front seven with Indianapolis is absolutely phenomenal so we need to get it outside there but mm-hmm. Stafford throws the way he does last week we're gonna be in this we're gonna be sitting pretty I think I think like you said Brandon how Philip Rivers isn't in his uh in his charger shape it's probably because those 15 kids probably take a toll on him after a little yeah, bit I w- but yeah he's got a, he's got a life after football, you could say. <laughs> yeah, we can just say that. But, I mean, Phillip Rivers, he's been – I feel like he's really set into this Colts uh, offense. I think when people saw that he was getting traded, people were already excited because he's a guy who's a who's a born leader. I mean, mm-hmm. he already did really good in uh, San Diego. and I said San Diego again. I can't say – L.A., my bad. <laughs> I I can't talk today. But I think that he's going to be able to do really well. I, I want the Lions to win, but it's going to come down to if we can get it to the outside because this front seven on the defense that you said, Brandon, is scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to think it's going to come down to our run game versus their front seven again. If we keep giving Adrian Peterson the carries without the creativity, then we're going to get nowhere. Our run game's going to get stuffed, and we're going to lose ultimately because we can't Thank establish you. the run. <laughs> we need to have Dan more on the show. He's <laughs> dropping some knowledge I'm right down. here because it's truth. We need to give DeAndre Swift more touches. Please, if you're listening, Darren Bevel, give DeAndre Swift more touches. Please. But obviously, he's probably not listening, so we're just going to have to see. But in other news, boys, with the Lions, there was a rumor going around this morning, and I want to address it because I'm very upset with it. I don't know if you guys got this. The New York Giants have been exploring a trade that the Lions have been in talks with that involves Kenny Galladay. Why are we doing this? No. I got to say. No. I got to say, the only people that would be worse for than, for, uh, than us would be the New York Giants. Why do you get a receiver who's on an expiring contract when you're obviously, I mean, at this point, they might even be in the division race because it's the NFC East. <laughs> the NFC, the <laughs> NFC, NFC East, East is garbage. Oh, my God. What? Is it two and five, right? Two, four, and one, the Eagles are winning. Wow. And then you look at what is it the uh, whatever uh, division that like it's the Cardinals and Niners and then all that. NFC and West like, where there's three teams with five wins. Yeah, that doesn't make. And any one of them sense. isn't going to make the playoffs. Yeah. I'm, also, how did Dallas get in the NFC East? I have no clue. They're not I even mean, on it's the like, East side. It's like New York, Washington, Philadelphia, Dallas. Woo, Dallas. How Which does that even, work? I don't even think they're in Dallas. I don't they? know. Anyway, really random thing, but I if we trade Kenny Galladay, guys. Uh, it's I'm gonna be so sad. We're gonna be, and I'm gonna be so upset at the same time. Cause I mean, we we've literally we have to pay Kenny Galladay and lock him up. We please. really we really have to. I mean, I know we don't have we don't have the tendency to go spend all of the money. I know that. Trust me, seen it for the last decade with all sports in Detroit. We don't like spending all of our money. I understand that, but please do what you can to give Kenny his money. Because, I mean, there's guys on I mean, he's still got a $2 million um, rookie contract still. And he needs to get paid. And I know 
I'm sure, I am 100% sure that Marvin Jones will sacrifice part of his contract to keep Kenny there because I know those two work so hard together and they're buddies. But, I mean, I don't want to be like, okay, yeah, well, we have all of our receivers on contracts. One of them's going to have to go. But if you're going to keep one of the three receivers we have with Amendola, Jones, and Galladay, which one would you want to keep? Oh, it's got to be Galladay, 100%. It has to be. He's, he's 26. He's the best. He's the youngest. He's the most upstart guy. I mean, yeah, it's, I, don't get me wrong. Marvin and Danny are absolutely fantastic additions. Don't get me wrong. Oh, They're yeah. amazing. But with the, the young playmaking ability, as I'm literally watching the Falcons catch when he got hit in midair and hung onto the football, those plays are what make They're few him and far between, so really. great. They, like, we found a guy who actually works in this offense, and I mean, if we trade yes. him away, it's basically just trading away a, a huge factor. And I think a lot of they, I just don't understand why they would when they know they're going to get so much backlash from the fans. And why would you do that to a, not only a great player but a fan favorite? It makes no sense. Not only that, I think he wants to say I was he, he was on an interview. Yeah. I think it was last night with Barry Sanders and some guy, and he said that he's so grateful and he'd love to spend the rest of his career in Detroit. See, so you got to keep him around, show him, Whoa. show him the ropes. It's hard to find people that want to stay in Detroit. Why so why would we get rid of a guy who wants to stay in oh Detroit? Oh my goodness! Please no. What are what are. Bob Quinn, I don't do it. What are you going to get in return? He's his best draft pick of his career. Yes, and what are we going to get in return from the New York Giants? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna Golden settle, Tate back. We're gonna get Golden Tate back <laughs> on a rookie contract, basically or veterans minimum. No, <laughs> please, no. <laughs> so Just dumb. lock up Kenny, please. That's all I'm asking. We're gonna move on here before we get too depressed, I guess, talking about that subject. But <laughs> don't wanna, don't want to hear us complain too much about. Yeah, the no. <laughs> but big AFC North battle going down. I know this game has a lot of implications on Brendan Sanders' mind. Is we've heard a lot from him over the last week, especially uh-huh. after his 16 and 0 claim for the Steelers. So pretty crazy. But the Steelers are still undefeated. They're six and zero, and they're gonna have to take on Baltimore this week after their bye. Obviously. Lamar is going to be off of a bye, which can be scary. He's been pretty good. I mean, overall, statistically, like Lamar hasn't been throwing the same as he did last year, but running-wise, he hasn't gotten up to that expectation yet. And I think, like, we're just waiting for him to bust out because, I mean, Baltimore, let's be honest, they haven't had to use their offense lately. Their defense is fantastic. I mean, they're not first in the NFL, obviously, because the Steelers. The Steelers are. Yeah. Steel Curtain is number one in the NFL. No question about it. But Ravens don't have a terrible defense either. I believe they're fifth, but they haven't had to do anything as far as throwing the ball, really. They've just been able to run the ball with Lamar, using guys like Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, and then Gus Edwards, too. Um, it's been a really interesting season so far for the Steelers because, obviously, they take care of business, and I think people kind of overstate that that they, they don't have a really hard schedule. It's easy 6-0. and Let's be honest, the Bears had the, like, I don't, I don't, would you rather take the 6-0 and Steelers or the 5-2 and Bears? Yeah, okay, no argument there. But, I mean, as far as the Steelers go, their offense can be pretty good. We've seen guys like Chase Claypool, for example, go off. So their offense can give this defense a really tough test. I think the other side is where we're really going to see. Is Lamar going to step up in prime time? Because, like, in matchups where he's had to face tough defenses, he has to face teams like the Chiefs and teams like the Steelers and the Browns. There's been times where he's folded. So if he folds, 
that's going to be in trouble, and the Steelers could be 7-0. and But if he plays like he can under prime time, this should be Baltimore's game to win for sure. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, when you really look at it, I, people were skeptical about the Steelers all year because they thought, oh, like it's easy 6-0 and or easy 5-0. and And then when they got to the Titans, people said, all right, this is going to be like an actual test of what they're going to be able to do. Because, like, people said that about the Browns, but, I mean, it's the Browns. They really aren't in that caliber yet. But when they came into the Titans, they shut down Derrick Henry. I feel like that's when they kind of solidified themselves as a certified 6-0 and team. And, I mean, now they haven't faced a team like the Ravens yet. I mean, the Titans were – basically a v2 of the ravens and i think when they come now when they play the ravens this week i feel like they're gonna have to shut down the run game somehow to make lamar throw and i think if they can do that then they might have a chance but if big ben can uh do something with that offense against a really good ravens uh defense i think that's gonna, it's just gonna be a really great game to watch the thing I'm looking at, though, is on the Steelers' side, they're missing their linebacker. They're missing Devin Bush. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be big for them against with trying to stop the run. Mm-hmm. If you can't, Definitely. if you don't got your middle run linebacker in there to stop the run, they're going to have a tough time, especially against Lamar with his ability to get outside the pocket yes. and scramble. Indeed. I didn't I, think about that. Yeah, he, I mean, really, when you look at the Ravens, you're going to be, who's, who's going to be that guy that's going to spy Lamar? It, the guy that you want there is Devin Bush. There's no question about it. So who they're going to fill in that spot is really going to be a big question. Because, I mean, that secondary for the Ravens is definitely a, just a secondary that you wish you had. I don't I don't want to say it's like the, the Legion of Boom aspect. Like, that's a little high up there. But they are probably one of the best, not the best secondary in the NFL. I think the Steelers overall have the best events, but the Ravens secondary is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, Marcus Peters, those guys, they, they take it back to the house, and that's something that changes the game. That's the reason why they haven't had to use that much offense so far. Their defense has been able to score. But for the Steelers, I mean, if they can get James Conner running and they can get play action, especially with their, their scheme going on, they kind of got that. I don't want to say it's like a West Coast thing, but definitely a power-to-play-action type movement. I mean, Ben's obviously not going to be a guy like Cam Newton or Mahomes where you roll out of the pocket every single play, but he can do some great things. I mean, he's been great. Obviously, he had the interceptions last week, which is a little scary. So, I mean, right now, I think the Ravens have it, but, I mean, Steelers are a good enough team. They've shown they can play on the road, especially against Tennessee last week. They're going to be in pretty good hands. So, mm-hmm. it'll be a really interesting one to watch as we move over to another divisional title weight fight you can say the buffalo bills and the new england patriots and boy these two teams have played less than great football the last couple of weeks would be an understatement the buffalo bills almost pulled the impossible and lost to the jets last week <laughs> yeah let that sink in that's pretty bad that would have been um, something and then the patriots got blasted by the 49ers yes thank you cam for the negative 0.1 fantasy points but i mean for the patriots they need receivers. It's that obvious. I mean, really, who is Cam throwing to right now? It has just been a struggle. I mean, they got Damari Bird, and then after that, you got guys that are banged up, hurt. Edelman's not even on his normal pace. But the Bills, I don't know really what they're like. I mean, I've been watching a little bit of the film, and I mean, a lot of it comes back to not having a solidified running attack. And no. I know I keep saying that over and over again. But, I mean, that defense hasn't played to its potential yet. I think they can peak by the end of the year. I don't think they're going to be a type of team defensively like the Ravens or the Steelers. I don't think they're that high going to be at the end of the season because they lost a couple guys. It's pretty obvious. They're playing a lot younger guys. But they still got the veterans there they can pull it around. So their defense has been a little bit of a stagnant start, but I think they can figure that out. But, I mean, offensively, you got Josh Allen. You got Stephon Diggs. You got 
Cole Beasley, who's really been an underrated target so far. You got John Brown. You got those guys that can make stuff happen. So, I mean, the running game, though, it's not been the same. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, that's not a bad combo, but, I mean, they're they're not going to be the guys that you would see necessarily that would compare to a Chubb Hunt type of situation. No. It's not even close. I mean, when you got Devin Singletary running 10, 12, 14 times and not getting over 30 yards, that's a problem. You have to move on and go to Zach Moss and try something else because if you keep feeding him and he's not getting it, you, sometimes you got to give him the hot hand. Yes, you want to make your fantasy fans happy, but you're starting to win a football game first, so you got to do those things if you want to mm-hmm. win if they're the Bills. And, I mean, really, when you look at if the Bills come in and play like they did against the Jets and can't score a touchdown against the Patriots, they're going to be in pretty rough shape. I mean, if their kicker plays as good as he did, maybe they'll have a chance to stay in the game. I mean, six six field goals, I mean, whoever had him on their fantasy team probably was, Clutch. <laughs> was very happy about that. But, I mean, if they come in and play like that against the Patriots, Bill Belichick and Cam Newton are going to make sure that they capitalize on that. It doesn't matter if – Cam Newton doesn't have the receiving core that he's usually used to, but if the Bills they play like the they play like last week, then it's the Patriots game to this the Patriots game to lose. But I think the Bills are gonna be able to figure out what okay, they're gonna. Okay, I thought you were gonna say the Patriots are gonna win. I was like, really? No, no yeah. Let me finish the whole thought here. Sorry. Right? But I, the Bills, I think they're gonna be able to kind of uh, get a uh, light the fire underneath them and start getting moving because I mean, they can't play like last week or else they're gonna lose. No. My question is, which Josh Allen are we going to see this week? Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's the truth. It's Whenever you got a Belichick-led defense, you know that he's going to scheme to take away your best player. So whether that's he feels that's Josh Allen or whether that's Stephon Diggs, we'll have to wait and see. But it's I think the big thing is going to be how does Josh Allen respond to what the defense throws at him. Mm-hmm. And I that's think that's really going to be point. the difference in the game. Yeah, and the good point to notice, like the 49ers off, like throwing the ball didn't have that great of a day against the Patriots defense. No. I mean, Garoppolo threw multiple interceptions. But – when you got Jeff Wilson running literally all over the field, that that helps your situation not having to throw the ball very much. I mean, he had over 150 yards of offense, I think, which was crazy because you think that Jarek McKinnon would have got the touches, but that's another point. But, yeah, you're absolutely right, Dan, and it's a great point. Bill Belichick knows how to minimize your best player. That's what makes him so good at what he does. I mean, you watch the um, – excuse me. You watch, like, the Mahomes game from a couple years ago in the playoff. Mahomes didn't have that great of a game. Then he came back, believe, in the final stretch and won the game. But he knows how to minimize the impactful players, and that's something that's really been big. But if Buffalo can get their defense back together, the way also the Patriots offense, I mean, Cam Newton's been really struggling so far. And I need that for my fantasy team, or he's going to be out of there so it's gonna he's gonna have to show up pretty fast if he wants to stay on captain comerica he's gonna get moved definitely i think to uh, if you guys want to we can go to the next game with mm-hmm. new Orleans saints and chicago bears chicago being that like you said brandon pseudo five and two team we have no idea how they got to this spot i feel like they're just like pushing random buttons and seeing if they, they look right now real, they did not look five and one yet on monday no. night against la not and even close new orleans i think is front trying to find out what they're going to be able to do because i mean four and two it's not uncharacteristic for them but they are kind of playing uncharacteristic this year they haven't been playing as good of football so i mean if they come into this week's kind of start figuring out what they're going to be able to do i feel like they're going to prove why bears don't deserve to be five and two but what do you boys think that the saints got to do saints Saints just got to be back to them their normal selves. That's really what I think you have to do. I mean, you don't have – who knows what's going on with Mike Thomas. I honestly have zero clue what's going on in that organization. If they're trying to trade him or he's still injured, not telling anybody, or what's going on in the locker room. I don't know what it is, but 
I mean, he's he's such a big factor that brings into that offense. I mean, he's the safety valve. He's the short passing guy. He's mm-hmm. the guy that you can have to be there for a check down or a short route. When you need those second and fives, your third and fives, you can move the sticks and keep your offense going because they have big play people on that team. I mean, Traquan Smith, he's not necessarily your every down receiver, but he can make some big plays. We've seen it, especially last year in the postseason. He can get stuff done. Mm-hmm. He's got the speed. Then you bring up Kamara, and I love Alvin Kamara, especially for Captain Kamara. Yeah, see, you get it? Okay. Um, <laughs> but he's at, he can absolutely ball. He's just a guy that you dream you want as a fran- have as a franchise. Latavius Murray is a great counterpiece that can plunge through the tackles. So their, their offense just isn't there yet, and that's really what's been holding them back because, I mean, defense has been picking up the slack pretty well. I mean, the Buccaneers game, eh, but that's one game. But, I mean, they're still 4-2. They can still make their own destiny. Obviously, now they're chasing the Bucks, who are playing fantastic football. But a lot of season left. And with the with the extra playoff spot this year, they could have a pretty good chance. Yeah, I think the big thing is Drew Brees. Drew Brees has to be better. We know that what Drew Brees can do, obviously he's a leader in passing yards in mm-hmm. NFL history. And we need he needs to show up like he's that guy and show that he's still that guy, whether he has Michael Thomas or not. He's got to take what he has, and I think he's going to be a big key to them, making sure that either they win or what he's got to be big in what they're going to try to do. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, I've said that all basically the whole season since like week two. My uh, Drew Brees hasn't been playing like he has been in the past couple of years, and I think it's mainly because Michael Thomas hasn't been there. He's kind of been thrown off a little bit of his groove because he hasn't had those main receivers. But I mean, he's a guy who can throw it accurately, and he's really good at throwing a football. So I mean, it doesn't matter who it is, as long as you have a receiver who can somewhat catch a ball. If you put it in the pocket or put it in the breadbasket like Drew Brees can do, it's no problem that they're going to be able to uh, make something happen. But I mean, Chicago, I feel like they. They were playing. They played terrible They're against the Rams last week. Awful. They played terrible, and I, I feel like it's going to come down to Khalil Mack trying to get some pressure on Drew Brees to kind of, especially with that receiving core that he doesn't really like to have. If he's able to kind of rush him and make him make those decisions and kind of throw him off balance and make it so that the passes are a little bit tougher to catch, that's going to be a big factor. But Chicago, if you play at, at all like you did last week, it's going to be a field day for the Saints. It's. Their their line was so atrocious. I mean, Foles is literally flying out of the pocket left and right on the snap because it's been that bad. I mean, Navin Montgomery couldn't even get through the line of scrimmage on some of those runs. He was pretty bad. It was just, like, if you're the Bears, this is not what you want to show a team like the Saints that have been struggling parts of this year. I mean, they barely got out of care or barely got away from Carolina last week who would be would have been a pretty you could say sneak win. We can say sneak win sneak for the win. for the Panthers, but I mean, if you're yeah, you can't show the Saints that you're vulnerable like this if you're the Bears, especially 5 and 2. You're at, you're competing at the top of the division and you never know Detroit might flip-flop them in a couple of weeks they play like this. I'm not going to get started though on that well cuz that's a that's speculation. That's not my prediction but I mean if you just have if you're the Bears you have to play better there's really no other analysis than that they played pretty poorly last week their defense has been pretty all right I mean they kept the Rams to 24 they've kept opposing quarterbacks to the sixth um sixth lowest quarterback rating in the NFL and they're doing their job offense has got to be good and there's even talks if they should bring Mitch back in why would you do that? <laughs> That's such a terrible idea. I feel like that the, that should be like the 
Like, that's the end of the world. That's, like, your only option left. That's what you should do, but don't bring Mitch in. Yeah, the thing is with, like, we've seen with Foles, Mitch does a really good job of getting outside and actually making something happen. Foles really stays in the pocket a lot. And we and as much crazy as it is to sound like that, the way this line has digressed over the past eight weeks, it's getting worse and worse to the point where now Foles is going to have to go out of the pocket, which is not in his comfort zone. And Mitch has more comfort going outside the pocket mm-hmm. on rollouts. That's the reasoning behind that. Is that the option that they should do? I'm, you're going to have to change your scheme if that's the way you're going to do that. But if the Bears need to do that to stay up, I mean, keep the Cinderella train rolling. Mm-hmm. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Definitely. But, I mean, going into the last game here, um, really quick, the Seahawks and the Niners should be a pretty good one. Um, the 49ers coming off a win, obviously, against the Patriots, and the Seahawks coming off a dreadful loss to Arizona. I think Seattle will bounce back in this game. I know I've been really high on them, and they 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 scared me a little bit. Their defense is not that great yet, and San Francisco is going to give them all they can handle. But I I trust Russ after that loss. I mean, he's been phenomenal coming off of losses. He's been a really a true bounce back champ. And I know the 49ers took the last matchup, and that 49ers are the hot hot team of the two right now. But I I really do like what Russ is doing, and I, I, I he had a bad game. We know that three interceptions. It's not. That's not Russ. That's not dangerous. You know. That's dangerous. that's <laughs> that's just not him. So I think that'll be. I think the defense definitely needs to step up if they want to be a Super Bowl contender because their defense is not looking very good right now. There was comparisons to the twenty um, seventeen Chiefs with Mahomes having to score fifty to help these team to help his team win. I think that's a pretty good comparison right now with the defense is concerned. But Seattle can bounce back and they can take this game, but. They just got to have that mindset that they can come back and win mm-hmm. how about, after a loss. How about DK Metcalf just absolutely Woo! flying down the field? Fantastic. What a draft pick. That was that was just ridiculous. I just just seeing cuz when that went down I would I would like just watch like that part like just over and over again. Just as soon as like the ball is intercepted, you can just see DK just turn and just like turn Meow. on the Jets right away. Meow. And like his strides I was, like, trying to figure that out. His strides had to have been at least, like, 10 feet long. It's ridiculous, man. He's so fast, especially for being as big as he is. It's yeah, what is Calvin he? Johnson-esque. 6'5", six, six, like, 250 or something like I'm that. I'm so glad you brought up Calvin Johnson right there, Dan, because I, I, their comparison is he's the next Megatron. I believe that. He's got the stature. He's got the speed. He's got the athleticism to do it. He just doesn't have... He doesn't have the right team to be a full Megatron and get 13 targets a game. Because, I mean, he obviously got Lockett on the other side. So that that makes it a little more difficult. But he really is, stature-wise, physical-wise. Come on, man. He's the next Megatron. Definitely. No question. Got to question the route running, though, the change of direction. Yeah, yeah it's not as fast as, as, it, as it could be. But, I mean, you got to kind of uh, – I mean, Mega, Calvin's wasn't that great, though, either. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, like, the problem with just him it's being better, so, tall, so tall and so much weight. He can't really kind of turn on a dime, especially for, like, the guys who mm-hmm. are a little bit lighter, like, less than 200 pounds. You can make those quick jabs, and you can make those quick turns. But I think for him, uh, he probably relies on his speed and his size more than his route-running ability. Yeah, I think that's fair. But I do think Seattle will win this game. Mm-hmm. I think you guys in agreement? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I, don't I mean, San Fran's just too shaky right now. It's really hard to Gotta let let Russ cook. Yeah, let Russ cook, baby. Let it let, let her him rip. do what he does. But moving on now into a really exciting game. If you live in the Mitten, or I should say, the state of Michigan, we got what Joe will call Big Brother against Little Brother. Michigan versus Michigan State. 
this assuming off of going off of last week, Michigan's big brother. But oh yeah, definitely. It. I mean, for Michigan State right now, it, lo- it <laughs> turn the ball over seven times. It's just a tough. Come on, goal, man. Are you, you give Rutgers me? your their first Big Ten win in three years? It's just a. Uh, it's a it's a tough. Look good it's at all. no. It's they, tough though because I mean with Mel Tucker when he doesn't have got when anytime a coach takes over like the first year is always rough because you got to kind of fix the mis- not the mistakes because I don't think D'Antonio like had a lot of mistakes just you're not having those guys who you recruited and that you brought into the program and then you got to kind of fix it make the program what you want to do kind of insert plays that more fit into your coaching style and I think for him. I think that was kind of a, a wake-up call to see, like, okay, we got a lot of work to do and we don't got a lot of time to fix it. But I don't – I it's just kind of tough because especially Michigan with how well Joe Milton did last week and how well the defense did with pressuring, I don't think that it's going to be a different story this week. And as, as bad as the Spartans looked, the Wolverines looked good against Minnesota. They were yes, playing sir. lights out in the second half, especially. They really pulled away in that game. So I don't, I don't know. Michigan, I don't think Michigan State's going to be looking so hot this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's – okay, the spread at 24-and-a-half, okay. <laughs> don't forget this is Michigan, Michigan State. This is not going to be a blowout. It's never – it never it's, has been, no. never will, regardless of record. I don't – I think the – the biggest um, margin of victory was like 34, but the odds of that happening, it's yeah. probably not going to happen. Anytime there's a rivalry game, it's rare that there's ever a blowout. Yeah, I mean, no, it's going to be, gonna it's happen. probably going to be maybe two touchdowns worth, but I yeah. think, I think Paul Bunyan is going to stay in the big house, but I, I hope so. I think that, I think it will. I mean, what's really impressed me, Michigan's running attack looks really scary. I mean, you look, oh. I mean, Charbonnet. He only had to touch the ball twice to go seventy yards. Let's talk about that hole that opened up too. Just he that oh offensive line, man. He just turned on the Jets when he saw they that look, open green. That was ridiculous. Shout but. out to the offensive line coach. I'm blanking on his name right now, but obviously he has done an amazing job. I mean, you're talking losing four guys last year to the NFL on your line. You replace all of them, and your first game back, you run for two fifty six. Man, that's so that's wonderful incredible. to have. But I mean, we got so many weapons as far as running the football. When you got Charbonnet, you got Haskins, Milton, Milton, Milton too. He's a he's a guy who can scramble a little yes, bit. I mean, indeed. we've been saying he's like a young Cam. He's like a he has the he has the chance to become a young Cam Newton again. Yes. I mean, he's not there yet. I mean, he has a lot to work on. Like we said when we uh, were kind of reviewing the Minnesota game, he doesn't have the touch on the long ball yet. But I think that's just because he's been the backup for so long that he hasn't really had that game time development. But I mean. When it comes down to it, I feel like anytime there's going to be a mid-range pass, it's going to have to come down to it. He's just going to sling it. It's going to be on the money, and I think he's going to be able to the dude has do a really well. He has a cannon. He can throw it over. I said it before. He can th- he can throw it over them their mountains over there. <laughs> he can throw it over the mountains over there. I mean, it's true. I mean, uh, the Cam Newton comparison, really, to me, that's spot on. Because, I mean, he doesn't have to throw the football to make an impact. I mean, we saw it with his legs last week. And you got guys like Giles Jackson and Corum we were talking about that can really get shifty in space. I mean, without we we had I had my doubts especially in the receiver department losing Collins, obviously losing DPJ. We were going to have a little bit of a step back, but these freshmen they're stepping up. And so, I mean Ronnie Bell too. Ronnie Bell, Ronnie Bell's going to be Ronnie Bell. But last week they didn't need to use the passing attack very much and Ronnie Bell wasn't really used that much and that's completely understood because that's what that mm-hmm. was just how the way the game rolled. You're not gonna throw the, you're not gonna throw the ball very much at three touchdowns. That's not gonna mm-hmm. that's not how it works. So it'll it'll be interesting. Definitely. I do think Michigan will win. Sorry, Sparty. But it's going to be a closer game than the spread indicates. And I don't yeah, twenty four and a half. 
I mean, it's, yeah, a, I it's a rivalry know. game. You Maybe gotta... 20, 14 to 21, somewhere in that ballpark's where I see it. But I think Michigan will still win. Mm. Oh, for sure. I don't I don't think Sparty has much of a chance. Yeah. No, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a lot closer than mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think, but I don't think it's gonna be yeah. there is hope super though. close. Don't don't Definitely. bail on the, the Mel Tucker train yet. He's no. still got D'Antonio's guys he's working with. So yeah. once he gets his guys, could be pretty interesting. But um Wisconsin, Nebraska, not gonna happen. I was gonna say Wisconsin was gonna win that one pretty easily, but they do not have their quarterback. Um Bryce Metz, five in, or five touchdowns in his opener, gets COVID the next day. Whoops, Ugh. that's brutal. So Wisconsin will not be playing this week, but that's going to be a tough one to come back from. Yeah, we'll see when they come back because the rule is you have three weeks, not yeah. two. Really, twenty-one days. Dang. So we're gonna have to figure out when they come back. But even better game, primetime ABC, second week in a row that Big Ten's got the primetime. Yeah, see, we're the best conference. We really are the football. best conference. We really are. I I I like being in this area. <laughs> we have the best conferences. Anyway, Ohio State, Penn State. Penn State came off of a loss to sleeper pick. A tough, Indiana. tough loss. So, yeah. Controversial loss, some might say. Yeah, it was controversial. Yeah, it is controversial. But Halloween night with two primetime football teams like these two, it's going to be a slugfest. I don't, I don't, I mean. It's the one thing, though, it's going to be weird because it was, uh, if it was like full capacity, it would have been the whiteout night at Penn State. And yep. that. That atmosphere is incredible. Oh, it's one of the best college and football. And to not, to not have that this year, especially just against a really good team like Ohio State, that factor of having that lot of a crowd and just th- those many people rallying behind you, and then you're going to have maybe like a quarter of that capacity at the game. I don't even know if Penn State allows people at the game this year. but I don't think so. Just not having that atmosphere is just a – it's going to be a huge blow for the team to come behind, especially going against number three Ohio State if – it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game, but it's gonna be suck. It's it sucks to not have that atmosphere around again. And Ohio State is looking scary this oh, year. Oh yeah, they really. With are. That, those receivers they've got coming in, they've got three or four freshmen. They were all four or five stars. Mm-hmm. Did you see the catch by? I'm not even gonna attempt to pronounce his yes. last name, but I I saw that catch yeah. and I was like, wow. Justin Fields too is just looking on par to, from last year. Mm-hmm. Even his one, he, I think he missed one throw all night, and that one throw was still. It was Chris Olave getting smashed in the middle by a couple defenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Justin Fields looked great. Um, he he's really been a phenomenal player. I don't think he's the the Heisman favorite yet. I think that Trevor Lawrence is still yeah. up there, but he's definitely been playing very well. And it's gonna be really hard for him to come the, back, the especially with is, less games. The question is: Is Justin Fields gonna go to the draft? Uh, declare for the draft this year? Hmm. I would. You would if he does if he has a Heisman caliber campaign. I'm gonna assume yes, but if not, then he'll probably stay back a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, if he became the number one pick, like prospect wise, whoever's number one's gonna take him. He's obviously gonna stay because we oh, want yeah. to go, to, wants the to, go Jets, to the Jets. Man. No way. Yeah, they're talking about tr- um, Trevor Lawrence doing an Eli and saying, "Yeah, I'm not playing for the Jets. Jets, uh, if the Jets draft me, no, no, I'm withdrawing, going back." <laughs> well, I mean, who wants to play for the Jets right now? But the I mean Penn State. When you look at the statistics, this is crazy. 488 yards total they had. Guess how many Indiana had? 211. Yeah, and they won. How how does that even happen? Where there can be a double, you have double the amount of yards and you still lose. In my opinion, in my, I just want to say I don't even I don't think that touchdown was good for Indiana. 
I mean, it, the, the, the crappy part it is angled the crappy part of it. The crappy part about that is just like they have so many camera angles, but that wasn't the one spot where they didn't have a good camera angle. Yeah, like they have the pylon cam, but the pylon cam only faces towards the uh, towards the goal line. And like when you really look, I mean, when you looked at it, it looked like it was going to be out of or it was out of bounds before it even touched. But I mean, I think that's just kind of just the way the camera was angled and stuff like that. But I don't know. Was, I I feel like that was a really controversial win last year or last yeah, week. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. Um, the couple other Indiana, I believe, is they are playing Rutgers, so they'll win that game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they should. <laughs> they should. I mean, should win it. I don't want to say that because I said that last week. Michigan State should beat Rutgers, and look what happened. So I, I'm not. I already said it. So they're probably gonna lose anyway. But. Um, not very many other good um, college um, matchups this week. We'll have to look mm-hmm. forward to those next week. But uh, World Series has been completed. What a game. The trophy is going back to looks like where it should be this Los year. Angeles. Los City Angeles. City of Champions. Lakers, Dodgers. Yeah, what a year the what a year Los Angeles. Chargers? <laughs> uh <laughs> more likely Rams there. Yeah, but probably. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it's been it's been a I wouldn't say like a rocky road for the Dodgers, but it's been a long time coming. They've been too it, good of a team to go this long without. They're not going to be a Buffalo Bills and make four championship appearances and lose them all. They're too good for that. So I mean, overall, I know everybody that watched this game is still asking the question, what was Kevin Cash thinking pulling Blake Snell? And obviously, this is the thing that I this is the thing that I say about it. You, this is the way. That's the way that Tampa Bay has run their team from the start of the season till now. They have been a statistic team, and Kevin Cash has said it time and time again, regardless who it is, third time around. We like our chances with the bullpen, and we understand that. But is there a point in the game where you got a guy like Blake Snell that is absolutely dealing, and he was only the fourth pitcher, I think, in World Series history to have nine strikeouts through four innings? That's a pretty crazy stat line, especially on the world's biggest or the baseball's the biggest, biggest stage. Yeah, biggest stage of baseball. Yeah, for sure. Is there ever a point where you just say, "Yeah, throw, we're going to throw, throw the stats, stats out the window"? Throw the stats out the window at that point because literally. You have, what was he, the 2018 AL Cy Young winner, and he was yes. a Cy Young finalist last year and this year. Why would you – if he has that good of a performance, you got to say, all right, like, yeah, stats have been working for us up to this point, but literally, if he's feeling good and he doesn't want to be taken out, why would I Why would I take him out? Because if he feels good to be in there, there's no point for you to take him out because he's not shaky. He's not nervous about being there. He's take, he's going up the the best hitting team in baseball. He was striking out Mookie Betts, Justin Turner. I don't. He's not even striking out like striking out. He made they were silly. They weren't close on the on they half of those hit pitches. They couldn't anything he was throwing. So why would you take him out? It's the loss is on Kevin Cash really because when as soon as they took uh, Blake Snell out, I think that was just a sign of. I feel like that really just gave a. a just a kick to the Dodgers. That was a sign of life for them because as soon as – I forget the pitcher's name that kind of came in for relief, but as soon as I came up, Mookie Betts hits a double. And then that mm-hmm. sets Anderson, him up. yeah. Yeah, that sets him up for a for a huge inning, gets runs back, and that's what really pushes them to get the win there. I don't – And, I mean, you have to respect what the Rays are doing. They're sticking with their script. Yeah. They're yes. taking out the pitchers just like they want to keep it the same as the series. But mm-hmm. when you've got when you've got Snell there and he's dealing, he like you said, he's absolutely dealing – 
He's arguably your best pitcher. I mean, you have Glass now. He's really good too. But and it's mm-hmm. in game seven, game six. I'm sorry. And he's just throwing the lights out. You can't just. I feel like you can't pull a start. He had what was it, 76 pitches he'd thrown. Mm-hmm. We've seen like you see Verlander go for hundreds, not yes. hundreds, but like 120. Yeah. And we yeah we understand the the statistics behind it and everything. And I, there was a comment made on um, social media that said that Kevin Cash should be fired for this. And I that's not I don't think that's so. not true in my opinion I, but i this, feel like oh sorry Brent. no you're good um the the thing that i don't this is this is a one decision thing please like if you're a Rays fan and calling for kevin cash to to resign and leave he are did you get, kidding he me? didn't get you to that point they got you he got that team he got that team there's no very many stars on that team you're developing stars like tyler glass now like blake snell and Kevin Kiermaier had stayed there. We talked. I know you were a big Kevin Kiermaier fan. And then you got Randy Rosarina, um, who also is playing fantastic baseball and kept your offense in the World Series at parts of it. And you're telling me that that's Kevin Cash's fault for losing the World Series, where they probably shouldn't have gone this year because of what they have on paper mm-hmm. and the way they've run their, their team through the organization. They have the, sec- or the third lowest payroll and you still make the World Series in this day and age in the economy and the sports world, that's not heard of. No. And Kevin Cash should be proud of that. He made a bad decision. Oh, well, there's always I, next year, and you should look up to it. I feel like he was getting nervous because if you remember when Glass now, I think, pitched for like a buck 12, I think everyone was saying, like, why would you do that? You've been, you, you're going against your game plan. You let them pitch for way too long. You said, like, your game plan the whole year is don't let them pitch a lot. Pitch until like they're just showing signs of maybe slowing down, and that's when you take him out. And I think I've he probably took that into account of saying I don't want that to happen again because when Glasnow stayed in for so long, they lost that game, and I think that's what gave the Dodgers the life to kind of make that surge to win a lot of these games in the World Series. So I think he was getting nervous, but that is I feel like it was just a bad judgment call because I mean Glasnow he really wasn't pitching that well when he had that 112 pitching performance, mm-hmm. but Blake Snell on this on. on on the other hand, for Blake Snell, for this go about, he was pitching out of his mind. So at that point, you got to say, all right, like, it's just a different situation. Blake Snell's actually doing well. I can't take him out. He doesn't want to come out. So why? I just, you it's stuff like that where you feel like he just, over, I feel like he didn't, th- I think he overthought and didn't think enough at the same time. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, I can see the, the argument that, yeah, you want to save him for game seven, but it's like, why take the risk? Because you still got to get there. Yeah, you're you in an elimination game. game. You got to win the current game, and you have to win the current game. That's just the way it is. You can't play game six or game seven without winning game six. So you got to win game six first. You can figure out game seven later. Tyler Glasnow could have had an amazing game in game seven if he pitched, or whoever they had to play. I mean, but dude, shout out to the Dodgers. I mean, their offense was great. I mean, Seager was fantastic. MVP deserves it. Mookie was fantastic. Justin Turner, obviously, with COVID, which we can move into now, played a fantastic series. And the Dodgers' bullpen should get full praise for what they did, especially when Gonsolin was pitching. Boy, he looked pretty rough, mm-hmm. and the bullpen sure saved him there. But, I mean, Justin Turner walked back on the field to celebrate with his teammates, obviously after pe- testing positive for COVID-19. And they, they're going to investigate. And obviously, it's going to take way too long compared to what it should. We know that. But is this going to jeopardize the Dodgers next year as far as taking away draft picks, taking away money? What's going to happen? 
Because he has COVID and he played? He has he had COVID, so that's why he does not play in game six. But when they won the when they won the trophy and did the all the presentation and all the pictures, he came back out on the field and celebrated with them. Even though he had already po- tested positive. I mean, you have to understand where he's coming from. Right. When your team wins the World Series, you don't want to just not be there with them. You don't want to yeah, not that, celebrate. That's a possible once-in-a-lifetime thing that he's yes. he doesn't want to miss out on. All right. And also, one thing, if you're going to penalize him for playing with coronavirus, penalize the cheaters that won a World Series a little oh, bit more. Yeah. That makes – okay, I get why they'd penalize him and stuff like that. Because he has coronavirus, but when you just give a slap on the wrist and you let them keep the rings after they win a championship after cheating, and they still can't even get past the the Rays beat them because they can't cheat anymore because they can't get to the World Series this year makes no sense. I'm not gonna talk about it because I'm gonna get too angry. Tell us how you really feel, buddy. <laughs> Astros are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Joe has a certain feeling towards the Astros, but. I mean, yeah, with Justin Turner, I think there is going to be a penalty, I obviously, because people are going to complain about it. And, I mean, he did come on the field with COVID. It's gonna, it, I don't think it's going to be that severe because, obviously, it had already happened. They're not worried about the season anymore. They got plenty of time to recover. And, I mean, it, there's no further risk. Obviously, he would not have done that if it would have been Game 7. He would have came out. I don't think that's – like some people were saying, what if he came out and then they'd play Game 7? It's like, well, he wouldn't have came out if they didn't win the World Series anyway. Justin Turner is smarter than that. So I don't think there's a there's a full punishment coming. I think they will have something taken away. He might get fined, but I don't think they'll like. He'll get fined, it. and they might take away like a compensatory draft pick or something. Yeah, something or, something small where it's going to be like pocket. Or they might like to make them. it so that like he can't have like the incentive of winning a World Series like that, like the money that they get from winning that. Maybe like, but I feel like if they give anything more than like a slap on the wrist, <laughs> I feel like it's way too harsh for what you didn't do to the Astros. If you could do that comparatively, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. One of these days, you're just gonna. One let, of these days, I'm gonna let loose. I, w- w- if you're watching, just mark. We, we'll, we'll take predictions. What day it's will ticking. we have that Joe Nagy lets loose on air on the Astros? We'll have to. We'll have to follow that on Twitter. But and anyway, moving on now to a much more conservative topic for for Joe, the NBA. Um. Houston did get a new coach um, for the Rockets. They have now moved on from Mike D'Antoni, and now they have... Steven Silas. Yes, Steven Silas. Uh, His dad, Paul Silas, was actually the head coach for rookie LeBron in the Cavs, so congrats to him. Uh, We're not really talking about the Rockets today. We're talking about our hometown Pistons, and we got draft day coming up really quick. It's coming in hot. We're talking in early November here. It's coming. So we have the seventh overall pick. We got a pretty solid roster, I would say. I mean, it's not like it's not a amazing team, obviously, for say. But we always get into that. No. We're we're an average team that always yeah. gets into playoff talk. The, the the odd thing is like Derek Gross, I mean, he's doing he has the stats of winning one MVP. So I mean he's playing really well. He hasn't kind of gone off the edge of being kind of a washed up player yet. So I think if we can find guys who are gonna pair with that well and just kind of push us over the edge because what we I think what did we how far did, how much did we miss out on the bubble by um well we missed out on a little bit this year we weren't as high as we normally were I think we need we were like 10 games out or eight games out we were we were pretty far out and we had a rough year at the end of the year but I mean we didn't have Blake or Luke though and we didn't have half of our players it seemed yeah. like it was like Christian Wood against the world it seemed like at that point but speaking of Christian Wood he needs to get paid 
All in favor? He does need right. to get paid. <laughs> I I hope he gets paid because I I would love to keep him around. I think he's he's an energetic guy mm-hmm. that can bring a lot to the floor. Obviously, we got young guys like Seku, and then when you mentioned Luke Kennard, Dan, and I like Luke Kennard. I think he's a he's a, a really nice guy to have. He's a great shooter. Um, Derek Rose, guys, it might be the inevitable that he's leaving. I think he's at his point now where he's gonna start looking at if how he wants to end his career. He wants to go back to Chicago where it all started or go get a ring somewhere, like possibly going to the Clippers and Lakers is mm-hmm. what's being reported in talks right now. So as far as that goes, I mean, personally, I don't think Blake's the long-term answer for this team as much as I want to say it because, I mean, the dude's just not healthy enough. He's always got something going on, and it's really hard to judge where he's at. He's definitely way past his prime. Yeah, I mean, he was – he was in his prime, like the second season of Lob City with the Clippers. But I think the, I mean, the Pistons just have a history of just dra- or picking up a lot of guys who are just past their prime to just fill fill seats because of tickets that they needed to sell. I mean, we had Joe Johnson last year. I saw Joe. I saw Joe from the Big Three. So, but um, what what are we looking for as far as what this team needs to look like next year? I, there's just so much that we have to change. Really, I mean, we just need guys who can. I feel like we need role players more than anything. We just need to find guys who can we can develop and that are going to stay here for for a, for a long haul. Because I mean, if we can do well in this draft and kind of develop people on, on the drive and stuff or on the Grand Rapids drive, kind of develop the people who we already have in the system, rather than trying to bring in people who might not want to be there for the long haul, might not want to work with Detroit to make it so that we can be a franchise team again. I think that's what we need to do: is find people who want to stay committed, who want to make a change, rather than just be there for the money and try to get a quick ring yeah I'm also looking for development I mean we got players that we've had in the system second round picks that I think have some solid potential look at your Bruce Brown Mm -hmm. you got Jordan Bone I like Jordan Bone a lot yeah Mm -hmm. he's pretty good and then especially personally Svi Mikhailuk I love Mm -hmm. Svi Svi's good I mean I'm kind of glad the Lakers gave gave him to us just because of the whole deal and everything but I mean there I I'm gonna bring up a little bit of a past um memory here um, coming back a couple of years ago, I remember specifically we had talks with trying to acquire Russell Westbrook, and that rumor this year has resurfaced that that has been discussed again. Is that something that Detroit needs? Because really what it sounds like I know Joe and Dan, you guys are saying, is we really want developed young talent that can be good role players and build a solid overall team. Like we're looking at trying to be a team like the Heat or the Nuggets or the Jazz, where we're not going to have all the superstars, but we're going to have a really good team that knows how to play the game of basketball really well together, mm-hmm. rather than a team like the, for example, the Rockets or the Thunder at one point. I mean, it's kind of sad that Russell Westbrook's been revolved around both those teams, but teams that have been really relying on superstar players to do a lot of the heavy load. Is that what side are we looking at? I personally like the team more aspect side. I don't think we need a because I mean we kind of tried that with, uh, whoa, trying to do that with Blake and that really wasn't the the result we wanted because mm-hmm. I mean he's been a good player but he hasn't been like the full he, on he's Blake really, we wanted. He's really not the guy that's like a franchise player because I mean even like back to Lob City again he wasn't the guy like Chris Paul and what was it DeAndre. Jordan, Jordan or yeah. they were the guys who were the actual like kind of big name franchise. Mm-hmm. He was just a new rookie that came to the league that could jump out of the building. And I feel like if we bring in Russell Westbrook, it's to the point where we have to say like, all right, then he's going to be like a franchise guy. And we just kind of got to throw out 
we basically got to revolve our offense around him. We got to change it all because he's going to be a guy who's just like, all right, give me the ball so I can score 30 each night. And, I mean, we kind of see that now. I mean, in Houston, when they when they have these two superstars, they're not really working too well together because no. they're not both dropping a whole lot of points this season or last season. So when you come down to it, like, if he has a um, – uh, MVP season again like he did in OKC, then maybe we can get to the playoffs. But, like, it's going to come down to a lot more that what we need is just Russell Westbrook because we might get to the playoffs, but, we're, like, are we going to get to the second round? Are we going to get to the conference final? Are we going to get to the finals again? That's the real question, and that's what we actually need to focus on rather than just getting Russell Westbrook. Yeah, yeah I got to agree. I don't think that Russell Westbrook's the answer. Even if we – I'm assuming we'd have to give up a lot of our young talent to go get him, a lot of talent, a lot of picks. And – what we're probably gonna get one, maybe two year good years out of him and Blake, and I don't, I don't know, I don't think the two of them are gonna be good enough to put us where we would want to be if we're that. It's it's not like they're mm-hmm. Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They're not gonna turn our franchise around despite all of the. I mean, and LA had good pieces, and our pieces that we would have afterward, I don't, I don't know how good they would be. So I, I don't think that's gonna be the best way to roll. I think we need to roll with the guys that we have. Mm-hmm. I think even. And even if we like, if we do get him, that's gonna set us back so long. Cause like you said, we're gonna have to trade away so much of our young talent that we've tried to develop already. It's gonna set us back at least three or four years because we're gonna have to build up that young core again. If we do, if the uh, GM and if the uh, front office decides to try to build around Westbrook, we're gonna have to basically just restart and reshape everything because we traded away everybody. Yeah, I mean, looking at hypothetical trades, Pistons would probably have to get rid of Blake and then possibly a couple picks to get Russ or a haul of picks and guys like Christian Wood or um, if you want to do like Luke Kennard or something where they're young guys that have the talent, but you're going to have a load of picks with it. So you have at least some sort of back or backboard, you could say. <laughs> good good basketball reference. But um, <laughs> as far as the draft goes, really quick as we wrap up, are we going to stay at seven and draft somebody like Killian Hayes, who has been been a guy that we've been apparently looking at a lot, kind of a, I wouldn't say like a, a full-on like Doncic type of like international playmaker guy, but he's been a guy that can be a really a really good asset to the team. I mean, he would be a fan favorite. I think a lot of people would really like him. I mean, he has relationship with Sekou, and I know Sekou has been Dwayne Casey's project he's been working on. So, I mean... I think like a lot of a lot of people have been talking like the guy that we need is Abi Toppin, but I don't think he's going to be there that low at seven. So I mean, if he's not going to be there, is there any reason we should trade back, or is even trading up an option and taking a big risk and maybe going with somebody like Lamelo? Well, I feel like if we do, I think we could build around Lamelo. But on the bright side, you know who our last. Uh time we were at seven and we got the draft pick at seven it was joe dumars so i think yeah, we're that is true i think it's a pretty good omen so far if we do stay at seven but i mean if we do try to trade up we're gonna have we, like like i said we're probably gonna have to trade away some of our young core that we've been rebuilding and future draft picks so i mean if it comes down to that it's gonna be tough because i feel like if we just stay where we're at there's a lot of people lately who have been really sneaky and that they've kind of gone down in like the late uh late top 10 or like the early like early teens in the draft and I like Tyler Harrell when he was drafted 13 overall we can find that for Detroit it's just gonna be coming down to the fact of who's gonna fit in the best for for us and I don't I don't think I'd want to trade up to get a higher draft pick especially since we're gonna have to trade away a lot of guys or trade away a, a couple key guys but it's gonna come down to what the front office wants to do if they want a franchise player if they want to just keep on building 
Yeah, I think I'm looking for just staying there and taking best player available because at this point in the rebuild, we do have a lot of pieces, but we need more pieces to get us to where we want to be. So I'm looking for, I don't know, whoever falls that they think on their board because Troy Weaver, I I don't know, he's had a good history, so Mm -hmm. I'll I'll go along with what he says. Mm -hmm. But I think we just need to figure out what the best guy is and get him. Yeah, I, I think best person available is a strategy we should definitely consider. I, I don't think we – I don't want to trade up because then that's selling selling the farm for one guy, and we've already done that and lost. So I don't I don't think that's really the way to go. I know Troy Weaver, obviously. He's in his initial season. So this is going to be his first big decision decision time to really see what he's all about as um, we've now had him now come in as a GM. But – it's going to be a situation where there's going to be a lot of things going down on draft day, I think, because obviously there's going to be – you're going to pick the guy you want. You're not going to be in a situation where you're going to gamble as much because obviously you're going to take the best available guy that you have the most trust in, obviously with the circumstances, because a lot of these guys didn't have tournaments to show out and show what they can do. So it's going to be really interesting to say the least. I'm, I mean, there's – like if you wanted to think of something like a trade – I mean, there's been – you could trade up with Golden State if we wanted to. I know that was an idea if we wanted to get LaMelo at two because I, I don't – it sounds like um, Anthony Edwards is going to Minnesota. I don't know, though, because they, they could draft LaMelo. Who knows? They, they have interest in him. Or we could trade back with a team like the Celtics who could use a guy like Killian Hayes that, that would take our pick. But if we got that haul, we could get three potential picks in the first round. They'd just be mm-hmm. later, so – I mean, it'll be really interesting. I do think we should stay, though, but it'll, it'll be really interesting, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the MVSP. Make mm-hmm. sure to find great us show today. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Joe, as always, great day to be in the office, brother. Always. Always is. And, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. We love having guests. And if you want to be a guest, you know what to do. But until then, we'll see you guys later. Take care, everybody.